Well, good morning again. We're glad that you are with us today as I'm going to continue in a series that we kicked off last Sunday that we're just walking through Psalm 23, Psalm 23. And I shared this last week. When I say Psalm 23, my guess is that there are a lot of you that are like, Psalm 23, yeah, I know what we're talking about. I remember that. Maybe I memorized some of that one. I've heard that one before. That's normal in my life in some way. But I said this last week that sometimes familiarity can breed superficiality. Like when you see, you have that person at the office, you see them all the time, but you know nothing about their life. You don't ever talk about anything that matters. And unfortunately, we can do the same thing with Scripture at times. Where we're familiar with Scripture, we've heard it, we've memorized it, we've read it before, but we have no idea what it actually means. We don't actually lean into it. And so what we're doing for a month here is digging into this very short psalm because I believe God has something for us, something that he wants to reveal to us. But there's also a challenge in this text. It's going to really challenge how we respond to him and how we interact with the Father. And so I think this is going to be good for us today. Today's message is one we desperately need to hear. If you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. You can pull out a phone. We're going to be sitting there all morning. Would you stand with me across the room as we read our text? This morning, we're just going to be looking at a chat, or verse 2 and half of verse 3, but I'm going to read the whole thing for you again today. And let's just allow this text to just breathe over us today, all right? Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your words. God, I pray that you would speak over our hearts today. God, open us up to you in a new way. Lord, may we see a fresh revelation of who you are, God. Yes, in Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. No, no, sit. Don't sit. Don't sit. It's spring ahead Sunday, which means you're all a little tireder than normal. So turn to your neighbor, shake their shoulder, and then you can grab a seat. Okay, wake your neighbor up. Wake it up. <laughs> all right, grab a seat. All right. Well, uh, we're going to have a, uh, we're going to practice gratitude here for a moment. We're going to practice gratitude here for a moment. Um, I think all of us know that the season of COVID was a challenging season, right? Uh, there was, some of you lost loved ones. Some of you, uh, there were difficulties financially at times. It was a challenging season. Some of us, you know, we experienced chaos in our world. And I think all of us experienced lots of frustration, okay? But here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice gratitude for a minute. I want to give you 20 seconds, 30 seconds to turn to your neighbor. And I want you to tell them one thing that you were thankful for or one thing that you were grateful for during that COVID season or because of that COVID season. You got 20 seconds. Turn to your neighbor. Okay, okay, okay. Now, where, uh, where, are the, where are the introverts in the room? Just nod your head if you're an introvert. 
it was the greatest season of your life, wasn't it? <laughs> right? You had an excuse to not do anything. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't got to talk to people if you don't want to. Right? It was, a good, it was a good season for some of the introverts. There were some of you that loved it because you got to trade your dress pants for sweatpants. Right? And you're never going back. Right? The whole world just got more casual because of COVID. Some of you got to work from home. How many of you got to work from home? You liked working from home? Like that was fun for some of you. Like it drove me crazy trying to work at home. But some of you loved it. I get it. It drove, Amber's like, it drove me crazy. <laughs> 100%. She's like, you need to go back to work, Greg. I'm like, okay. But the thing that, that we loved in our home was that it just felt like everything, despite all the crazy, you know, and the chaos, it felt like things calmed down a little bit because there just wasn't much to do, <laughs> you know? It's like, you know, especially for us, because we got small kids, it's like we're just can constantly be doing this, and, you know, sports and activities and things and all those kind of things. And it was like for a season, it all got canceled. There's no sports to go to. There's no games I'm going to go to. There's none of that kind of stuff. We just could be a little bit. And it just felt a little calm. Like we go for every day. I, you know, I'm done with work. We're going for a long walk. Our kids just were just sick of walks when that was over with. But, but we went on, like we just got to do some of those things. And I think if we're all honest, a lot of us crave that feeling. Despite the chaos of, of our world, we all crave a sense of being calm and we crave this peace. And, and again, I say this, this is why this psalm, I think, is such an encouragement for us. And so before we dig in, I just want to remind you, maybe you weren't here last week, I want to remind you of some of the context of this psalm so that we understand what we're talking about. Uh, the first thing is that this is, as it says, a psalm of David. This is a psalm of David. This is him speaking. And so, so this is not a theoretical psalm. This is a testimony psalm. This is a man who was a shepherd. He knows what it's like to be a shepherd. He knows what it's like to follow the good shepherd through good seasons and hard seasons. And he is giving testimony of what that is like. And it should be something that we can receive them because he knows what he's talking about. It's an encouragement for us, no matter what we face, no matter what we walk through, would we be those who follow the good shepherd? But remember, if the Lord is our shepherd, what does that make us? Sheep, exactly. We're the sheep, which sheep are one of the neediest, most vulnerable, and most dependent animals. And as we said last week, sometimes they can just be flat out dumb, okay? And because of that, sheep need a shepherd. They need someone to lead and to guide them, right? And that's exactly why we have Psalm 23. And so the... Uh, the first statement that we looked at last week, we spent some time to dig into it. If you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to go back and watch it. The first statement is this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And we talked about this last week, that really this is three types of phrases. First, this phrase is actually uh, security and confidence. It's a statement of security and confidence. It's saying, listen, I'm secure. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I can be secure. Why? The God of the universe is the one leading and guiding me. The God of the universe is the one protecting me, the one caring for me. And so I can be secure. I can be confident in that. But more than that, it's a statement of submission and devotion. The Lord is my shepherd says, listen, he's the one who gets to call the shots. He's the one leading. He's the one guiding me. And I'm not going to make the decision for myself. I'm simply going to follow. I'm going to submit to the one who is leading me. And there's a devotion element to say, I'm with you. God, I'm with you. Wherever you lead, I am with you. And then we get to the third thing. This is a statement of trust. It's a statement of trust because there are times in your life, and I'm sure there's time for sheep where they don't see it. It doesn't make sense to their eyes, but they say, you know what? I can trust my shepherd. 
I, I might not even like it right now, but I can trust that he is leading me where I need to go. That's what we see in that first statement. And so Psalm 23 continues to describe what it looks like when the Lord is shepherd. And so for the next four statements, hopefully you heard it in my voice when I read it, the next four phrases begin with this word, he, what he does. And it's describing how he cares for us. And it's really, really good. It's really, really good, okay? But it's going to demand something of us. It's going to require something of us to experience it. And so this morning, I was going to do all four. I don't have time to do that. We're just going to look at the first, the next three phrases and dig into that. And as, as you look at these three phrases, I think it's all summed up with one thought, which is the last of those three phrases, and it's this. He refreshes my soul. He, the good shepherd, refreshes my soul. See, we can read Psalm 23, I think, with a toxic view. So you read Psalm 23, it talks about, you know, these green pastures, like, oh, everything's going to be great in my life. You go through this, oh, he's going to lead me beside quiet waters. My cup overflows, and it's very easy to get almost like a financial or a prosperity mindset when you read this. So I'm like, everything's going to be great in my life when the shepherd leads me. But at its core, this is a soul psalm. It's a soul psalm. He's speaking of our soul. God's desire, hear this, God's desire for your life is deeper than your bank account. So much deeper than your bank account. He cares for your soul. He refreshes my soul. Uh, there's a guy here at the church, Terry Lieski, a good friend of mine. He's uh, just came off the board. He'd been serving on the board for five years. But it's about three or four years ago when we first got here, we were leading a men's group around here. I think it was like 20, 25 guys at the time. And we were talking about how are we going to get guys to talk? Because I don't know if you've maybe experienced this in life. But it's real easy for guys to stay surfacey with their conversations. You get a couple guys together, they could literally be together for three or four hours and talk about nothing but sports. Never say something meaningful about their lives. That's just how we are. Like, we don't talk about stuff that matters unless somebody forces us to go there. So he's like, Greg, I got that. I was in a group. I was in a group, and they had an amazing question. I love this question. Like, what's a question? He's like, every time we would get together, rather than getting together and saying, how was your week or what you're doing, because guys just don't say anything at that point. The question we were forced to ask each other was this. How's your soul? How's your soul? When you hear that question, it kind of cuts through the garbage, doesn't it? Like, I, I can't respond to that question like, oh, it's great. Everything's great. Like, no, I got to like, oh, I got to stop a second. Like, how is my soul actually? Like, am I in a healthy place or am I in a good place? I think every one of us would be forced to dig a little bit deeper there. And, and if we're honest, I would guess if we were honest and I put, sent the mic around here, I would guess that there are many of us in this room that we said, how's our soul feeling a little dry right now? I bet there's a lot of us that are experiencing that. See, we're going around doing all the stuff, right? We're busy. We got things and programs and activities and sports and whatever. We got all the things and we're just go, 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 go. But we're tired. We're worn out. We can feel very, very dry in our soul. And think about it for a second. If we who are bought by the blood of Jesus, right? We have been set free. We have been saved and transformed. We have a future. We have a hope. We have an inheritance that is stored up for us in heaven. If we feel dry, can you understand how dry the world around us must feel? Right? It's a challenge. These dry souls that are walking, it's no question why we live in the world that we do, that so often it's just people just grating on one each other's nerves, you know? Because we're all dry, just sucking the life out of each other, trying to get life from one another. 
And then we as believers, we can operate the same way. We can have what I like to call an Eeyore faith. Right? Remember Eeyore? Right? Eeyore? Oh, well. I'm okay. Life's so good. Praise God. You know, I'm saved. Gonna go to heaven someday. You know, like, like that, that's not God's desire for us. Like, he didn't come so we could have abundant Eeyore in our lives. No, he came that we could have abundant life. He wants us to, us to be refreshed by him. He wants us to spend time with us, that, that our souls could be filled up by the God of the universe. That's his desire for us. Rather than walking around dry and stale all the time, he wants us to be filled with his spirit, to be filled with his truth, to be filled with his life. And so as we look at this text, there's two pictures that we get to, as examples for what this could look like in our life. The first picture that we get, if you're taking notes, is this. It says, he makes me Lie down in green pastures. What in the world does that actually mean? <laughs> to make me lie down. I, I've always thought, you know, naturally it's easy to think, oh, he makes me. He forces me to lay down in good places. That's what it means. He's forcing me. When, when I don't want to, he forces me to do that. And there might be an element of that that could be true, but if you understand sheep, you realize that's not really what the text is saying. It's a much, much deeper picture than this. See, this phrase, makes me, it isn't like he forces you, it's he causes. When you go to the Hebrew, it's he causes. He makes it possible. He creates a circumstance that allows you to lie down. That's what the text is actually saying. And then you get this idea of green pastures. I think we all understand that. Green pastures are better than brown pastures, right? This is a good place. There's abundance. There's fulfillment. There's all the things that we need are here. But the words that are powerful in here are actually this word, lie down. He makes me lie down. And this is huge. Why? Because sheep only lie down when they are at peace. Sheep are inherently restless. They are. They don't just lie down at any time. No. There has to be the right circumstance to make them, to cause them, to allow them to lie down. Now, what does that look like? A sheep, number one, has to be free from fear. If there's any fear, if there's anything that puts them on edge, they pop up off their feet right away. They cannot lie down in that moment, right? So God wants to, wants to relieve us of those moments. The second is that a sheep must be free of friction. Friction. Primarily friction with other sheep because they can kind of get chippy with each other at times. doesn't sound like anything like us, does it, right? But he, he's like, I want you to be free from friction. The third one is they have to be free of pests. If there's little fleas or anything that are bugging them, they pop up and they got, they're trying to shake it all off. Like that's where the sheep are at. And the last thing is that sheep has to be free from hunger if they're going to lie down. And see, what the text is really saying is that God is trying to provide. He wants to provide you an opportunity to actually be at peace. God's desire is that we will follow him that we will be filled up by him so that we can live our lives from a posture of peace and rest. That's his desire for us. See, a lot of times we talk about the fruit of the spirit. You know, fruit of the spirit. I remember when I was a kid, I learned a song, and I could sing it for you right now. I won't do that, okay? But love, joy, peace. That's one of the fruit of the spirit. And a lot of times in life, I think we think, oh, I, need to be, I need to be more peaceful. I need to be more, I'm going to be more peaceful. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to really just battle down that peace in my life. Like, that doesn't work. You know, like you can't force yourself into peace. I can't struggle my way into peace. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. 
See, these aren't targets where you say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and be more loving, and I'm going to have more joy, and I'm going to be more peaceful. No, the goal is to be filled with the Spirit. The goal is to be filled by Him, to spend time with Him. Then when He fills us, the fruit, which is the natural outcome of a healthy being, begin to flow out of your life. And if we are not seeing peace flow out of our life, that means we're not in a place where we're being filled by Him. We're getting cut off in some way. And I don't know about you, but I can kind of get convicted by this one. Because <laughs> there are times in my life when I'm not living with peace. The, the fruit of peace may not be coming out of my heart and out of my life. One of the questions we ask all the time is, how you doing? What's the number one answer in the year 2023 to how you doing? Anybody know? Busy. <laughs> right? How you doing? Oh, I'm just so busy. Yep, every, everybody's busy. Doesn't matter if you're important, whether you're not important, doesn't matter. Everybody's figured out something to take up their time right now. We're all busy all the time. And God is saying, how could you live your life in such a way that you could allow me to fill you so that you might actually be able to experience peace in your life? That you would allow me to create the circumstance that you can lie down in green pastures. So that's the first image that we get. I really want you to just to think about that. What would that look like in your life? Uh, but I want to dig into the second image that we have, and it's this. It says, he leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me beside quiet waters. Sheep can't drink from a raging river. They get into a raging river, that thing's washing them down the shoreline, okay? They're falling in. That's what happens. Sheep cannot do that. They need quiet waters. They need calm waters. And God's desire is to guide us to those waters. Remember in John chapter 4 where Jesus said, this will produce like living waters that will never run dry. That's his desire for you, to have this sense of receiving from him and being so filled with him that you'll never run dry. That's his desire. The good shepherd is inviting us to allow him to lead us to those waters. But there's something that's true of sheep that I think very often can be true of us, and it's this. If sheep don't have calm clean water, they'll drink whatever's in front of them. Whatever's in front of them. And in fact, sheep will drink toxic, filthy water and not even realize it's killing them. I want to give you a little example of what that can look like in our lives. See, we, we read this and we, we have this, I have this beautiful glass of water right here. Isn't this a nice glass of water? I love the cities of Burnsville and Lakeville and Savage and Prior Lake. But our water tastes like garbage. Can anybody agree with that? Like, it's just kind of gross tasting. But this is Culligan water. It tastes marvelous. Mm. So good. So good. But when we read this text, it's saying, you know what? God desires this for you. Like, he, he wants to refresh you. Like, when you're thirsty, doesn't matter what else is available. If you are thirsty, you want some cold, fresh water. That's what you want. Because you know it's the thing. Not only is it the thing that you desire, it's actually the thing that satisfies. It's the thing that your body is craving. It desperately needs this water. The problem is that for us, many of us, rather than going after that water, a lot of times we end up going after other things. Got a clean glass here. Uh, we're going to kind of bring some things into. So, so for some of us, we, we turn to other things to refresh us. Sometimes uh, we go to things like entertainment.
to refresh us. Remember, you've had a hard day, you got a busy day, and you're just like, oh, I just need to chill a little bit, I need to relax. Maybe you got to go to a TV show, you, you want to go to movies, you want to go play video games, whatever it is. You're just looking for something to entertain you. I got some Mountain Dew, where's the Mountain Dew fans out here? Okay, there's the Mountain Dew fans. Somebody's ex- somebody wants this when I'm done. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this on the stage right here, and whoever comes and gets it can have this Mountain Dew. There it is. <laughs> How did I know, how did I know a middle schooler would be doing that? <laughs> he didn't even think about it. That was awesome. <laughs> Second service, I don't need it again. <laughs> okay. But we go to entertainment. Like we go to, and listen, a little bit of Mountain Dew is not bad. It might taste good a little bit, but it is not going to refresh you. It does not satisfy you. In fact, lots of Mountain Dew is toxic for your body. It's actually going to kill you. Okay. But this is what we go to, and we're going, I want to be refreshed by this thing. That's the thing that I want. Entertainment. Some of us are guilty of that. Sometimes we look to relationships. We look to relationships. It's like milk. Milk. Uh, milk, we need milk, right? Especially babies, they need milk. They need a milk. But how many of you know that milk sometimes goes sour, right? It's no longer good for you. And here's the problem with us is that when we look to relationships to refresh us, right? Oh, I just want my spouse. She's going to refresh me today. Guess what? If she's having a bad day, she's a little sour, you're in trouble. (laughs) You ain't getting refreshed there. Okay? Same thing with your boss. Your coworker. You're like, I'm going to go to work. Oh, they're my people, and they're going to be encouraging me today. Guess what? (laughs) That doesn't really happen. If you're banking on other people, the problem is their soul is just as dry as yours is. And so when we're looking for relationships to be our source, we're in trouble. So we're going to add a little milk to this thing. Oh, there it is. Oh, that's good. Oh, it starts forming something on the top. That's great. Okay, so we go to relationships. And then sometimes we go to positions and title. I got some soy sauce here for this one because that really, it's a nice little, add a little soy sauce. So there you go. Oh, yeah. Nice. Really good. <laughs> I'm going to need to clean that up. I'm going to try and back up. Okay? But we go to positions and titles. Because we think, oh, if I can get to this status, right? This position. If people see me this way, then I'm going to be in a better place, right? I'm going to feel good. I'm going to be, like, that's going to make me feel better. And I'll say this. Even titles that we don't achieve, like a title like mom or dad, if we look to that title to be the thing that fills us up, guess what? When the kids start going sideways... We don't love that title as much anymore. Or one day that child of yours is going to grow up and leave the house and suddenly you find yourself like, who am I anymore? I've been a mom for the last 20 years. See, those things cannot be our source. Those things do not refresh. They were never made to refresh you. That's not their purpose, okay? Sometimes it's accomplishments. Like you go after accomplishments. Oh, what, what can I do, you know? Like, and we've all had those moments in life where you do something and you just feel really, really good. We got some Heinz 57. Heinz is the only catch. And can I get an Amen. Any other ketchup? Garbage, okay? I'll put a little bit of that. Woo! Oh, gross. <laughs> okay? But what is it supposed to be? I don't remember. Accomplishments, that's what that is. <laughs> I got so excited about the Heinz. Okay, but you get accomplishments. And every one of us, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's that thing you were working hard, you try to accomplish it, and you got it. And then two days later, it's like, that's it? Think about all the athletes that spend their whole lives trying to win a championship. And then when it's over, what do they say almost right away? Yeah, this is awesome. Let's do it next year, right? Why? Because they know it's done. Like, 
There's nothing satisfying about that. Life has not changed because you won a championship. It's just an accomplishment. Oh, it's great in the moment, but it was never meant to be the thing to restore and refresh your soul. Another thing is good deeds. Good deeds. I got some Frank's Red Hot. Anybody like Frank's Red Hot? It's good on everything, isn't it? Especially this right here. Fresh. Okay, just a little bit of that. Good deeds. We're like, good deeds. Isn't that a good thing, Greg? Yeah, good deeds are a great thing. The problem is when we look to our good deeds to be the thing that refreshes our soul, we flipped it up on its head. When we're going to do things to try and fill us, that's a very, very toxic motivation, and it's never healthy for you. We are called as followers of Christ to what? Be filled so that we have something to give, right? Why do we forgive? It's not because we've mustered up the forgiveness. It's God, God, you have forgiven us. I have received your forgiveness. Therefore, I have the ability to extend forgiveness to those around me. Like that's the journey, to be filled so that we have something. We do good deeds out of the overflow of a heart that's been transformed by God because then I don't have to get anything wrong. It doesn't really matter if, if you do anything for me. I am choosing to give out of the overflow. I'm not trying to get something from it, right? But when we go to our good deeds, church, I, don't know, I hope this fills my heart up. It can be very, very toxic for us. Another one is information. Information, I got a little, uh, a little cheese whiz here. Anybody like cheese whiz? Kind of gross, isn't it? I didn't even know they still made this stuff, but they do. I don't know what's in it, but it, the scariest thing of this thing is it says, uh, no need to refrigerate. I'm like, that can't be good. <laughs> uh, but, but we come to, what do you mean information? See, for some of us, we're like, oh, we feel so insecure and life is so overwhelming. So what do we do? Well, I just got to, if I know all the stuff. So you sit on the news all the time. I'm sitting on CNN. I'm sitting on, you know, Fox News. I got I to gotta watch all the things. I got to read all the articles. I got to listen to all the podcasts so I know all the stuff. Because when I know all the stuff, then I'll feel like I'm in control. And then the reality is you're freaking out all the time. You are over. It's not helping you. It's actually killing you. You don't even realize it. Another one is it. I go to this well a lot, but it's one that we all need to get and that's the, the well of social media. Got a little vinegar here. Now, vinegar in little small amounts can actually be a positive thing. But too much and it gets sour and gross. And you'll, you'll throw up if I drink this whole thing. You see, social media, there's, there's good things in social media. There's ways to interact. Some of you have, were able to connect with people you've never been able to connect with before because of social media. But when you're going to that well as often as we all do, we don't even realize it, but we're going to that well to fill something up to make us feel better. Oh, I'm just chilling. I'm just relaxing. Yeah, you're going to that well, and it's killing you, and you don't realize it. They've done studies on it that actually say you actually get less happy, less fulfilled, less joy the more time you spend on social media. It actually erodes your view of yourself the longer you're on social media. And so you're like, oh, this is just good. This is my free time. This is, yeah, your free time is killing you, and you don't even realize it, right? And the last one. This morning, I didn't have one. I got a little, a little relish here. A little sweet relish, too. It's <laughs> a little chunk. Ugh, yeah. Oh, that's good. That is so good. This, wasn't, this one wasn't even on my list this morning, but this morning I was praying about it and felt like God just said, hey, there's one more you need to lean in. And that's the area of worry. Worry. Why do we worry? Well, part of it, obviously, there's something that we're concerned about, but the reason we allow ourselves a lot of times to worry is because it feels mildly productive. Like, I'm, I just stew this thing in my mind. It feels like I'm doing a thing. Somebody mentioned after first service that worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. You know, you feel like you're doing something, but you don't get anywhere. 
That's how worry is. And we just sit there and we stew. And scripture says, rather than worry, it says, shape your worries into prayers. Would you come to the source? Would you come to a life-giving thing rather than this thing that is killing you? And see, here's the problem. All of us are walking around totally, totally dry, and we're wondering why. Because this is all, we've made this disgusting concoction, right? I don't even want to offer, does somebody want to drink it? Because I think the middle schooler is going to run back up and drink this thing, okay? But, but we're drinking this thing day after day after day, wondering, why does my soul feel so dry? Why do I feel so overwhelmed? And then we wonder, why is our world so chippy? Because all of us are walking around drinking this thing, dry as a bone, trying to suck the literal life out of one another. That's why. Because we're going to the wrong place. We're not seeking the right thing. We're dying of thirst, but we keep drinking the dirty water instead of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Instead of that coming out of our lives, we have the fruit of self, the fruit of culture, the fruit of our world. Psalm 23 is an invitation to allow God to lead you to quiet waters, to make you, to allow you the opportunity to lie down in green pastures, to refresh your soul. Psalm 23 is actually connected to a psalm that's just a couple verses earlier, or a couple uh, chapters earlier than that, in Psalm 19, because he says this whole idea of he refreshes my soul. Look what it says in Psalm 19. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. What is the invitation? The invitation is to say, rather than going to all this junk, and it's gross, if you can come up here, it's disgusting, Rather than going to that on a daily basis, what if I made space for God to refresh my soul? What if I prioritized getting into his word regularly? Not just the extra times, not just when it was convenient, but I said, this is the thing I'm going to go to. I'm going to allow his, his fresh water to wash over my life. It's refreshing to the soul. It's the thing that fills you up. There's not just a practical nature to the word of God. There is a supernatural activity of the word of God in your life that it breaks bondages and it sets you free. It sets your mind free from the lies of the enemy. It gives you something firm as it says in Ephesians. It is the sword of the spirit. It is something, a weapon against every challenge that you have in your life. What if we would put ourselves into a place where we would say, God, I want to come to you. I want to come to your word. I want to stand on truth instead of sitting here killing myself and not even realizing. And so I want to, I want to get to our big so what. And we always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? Is this a question for you this morning? Are you making space for the Lord to refresh your soul? Honestly, are you making space? Not hoping there's space. God, I'm making space for the Lord to refresh your soul. I don't have to convince you that we live in a dry land, right? <laughs> I don't have to convince you of that. That's the world we live in. It's dry. It's hard. It's challenging at seasons. And some of you walked in. I mean, you stumbled in today because it's just been a rough week. It's been a challenge this past week. There's something really, really interesting. It's amazing. When I was studying this past week, I think, God, God, this is a word for us today. Something very interesting that sheep do when they're in a dry, arid area. See, they need water. That's what they need. But if they're in an area where there's not a lot of water, sheep do something instinctively. They wake up an hour or two before the sun comes up, and they begin to feed early in the morning. Do you wonder why? There's dew. Even in a dry area, 
right? Just like we experience in a dry land, there's dew that comes across. And so they begin to feed early in the morning because they know it's going to be dry all day long. And if I don't get my source early, I'm going to be in trouble. But the God of all creation, in his wisdom, has provided something for them. No matter where they are, in the midst of this, there is fresh, clean dew. There is water available for you, but you got to get up and get it. Right? And it will sustain you the rest of the day. And I think this is a word for many of us. Because a lot of times we live our lives in our days, and it can be challenging in seasons. What would happen if we would wake up and rather than just going through the motions of the day and doing the stuff, what if we would begin our day coming to God and saying, God, I need to be filled today. Rather than my life being an attempt to get refreshed from everything else, what if I would pursue you first? I would receive from you. I would get the living water from you at the beginning of my day. I spend some time in your word to be near you, to be filled by you. And that I could live from that abundant place, that hell, I could have those, no matter what the season, no matter what's going on in my life, I could be lying down in green pastures because I'm connected to my Savior, my Shepherd, and my King. Psalm 63 is one of my favorite psalms, and it says this in Psalm 63, it says, You, God, are my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And I think this part of the psalm is beautiful. It's reality. Hey, it's, it's dry out there. We need to go to God because it's dry out here. And that's a good motivation, isn't it? Like, he's got what I need. I'm going to go to him to get what I need. But even that has some selfish undertones to it. I'm only going to you for what you can do for me. But I love the next two verses in Psalm 63. It says this. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. The deepest reason why we come to God is when you begin to see how good he is, you want to be with him. And I would say that I've seen the power of God. And there's a, like, there's a dissatisfaction with other things that can happen. I get distracted like all of us. There are times where I'm like, what am I doing wasting my time here? I know this is so much better, right? And there's moments where we have to just remind ourselves, he's better. He is better. Why do I keep doing this? We have to bring it before I got. Why do I keep coming after the, the garbage when you are better? We say, God, would we return to you again? Would we make space for you to refresh us, to be with you? Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. He wants us to be with him. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15. He said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. See, that's going to be the normal stuff. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying, just come. come stay close to me. Be near me. And so I want to ask you the question that I shared a few moments ago. How's your soul? today how's your if you're honest just being honest how's your soul today where are you at today and if you say you know what I'm a little dry I would ask you all right so then what what do you want to do about that how do you want to put yourself in a position to allow the good shepherd to fill you and give you his 
clean, calm waters. I want to give us an opportunity to respond this morning. Would you stand with me across the room? We're just going to take maybe five, six minutes here for a moment. And I want, to, I want this to be a time for you and God. This isn't a time for you to do sing-along time. If you want to sing the song, go for it. But I want you to have a moment with God right now. And there might be a part of your heart that says, I need to repent of some things, God, because I've, I've been running after the wrong stuff. I've been going after the wrong stuff. That's great. Take some time with God. There might be, maybe the Holy Spirit's going to speak some things to you. I don't know. Maybe you want to come to these altars and just get on your knees and, and submit things, some things to God. Maybe you need to make an altar where you are. Maybe you need to open your Bible and just read Psalm 23 and allow him to speak over you. I don't know what it is, but let's have a moment with God. Allow him to refresh our hearts and our souls. But I want to pray over you. Can you just put your hands out like this, just as a posture of receiving and say, God, God, we look at so many other things, Lord. And right now, God, we're saying we want you. We need you more than anything else. God, we repent. We, we just ask that you forgive us of the way we turn from you to other things. God, forgive us of that, Lord. Help us to pursue you with a deeper passion, God. Even in this moment right now, God, I pray for anybody who's in the room that just feels overwhelmed with what they've got going on in life. God, may they be reminded of your goodness, of your refreshing power in their life. Would you do that in our hearts today, Lord Jesus? God, reveal yourself to us in a deeper way, Lord Jesus, we pray. Speak to us, Lord. Just begin to invite him in right now. Speak your own words. Just inviting him in, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we need you, God. Oh, we need you, God. Sing that again.
Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Father, I just pray that you would help in our hearts for us to grow increasingly dissatisfied with everything that is killing us, Lord. The stuff that distracts us, the stuff that leads us to places of dryness. God, I pray that we would see it for what it is. And at the same time, God, I pray you'd give us revelation of your goodness, your power, God, that you are the source that never ends. You are the source that fills and breathes life and hope and refreshing to our souls. God, help us to see it. And then, Lord, more than just see it, help us to live like it. So, God, I pray this week that rather than going to dry wells, God, I pray that we would go to the well that never runs dry, that you would fill us and refresh our souls this week, Lord. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we leave today, I just want to give a challenge to you. The challenge is this. Adjust your rhythm this week. If you found yourself saying, you know what, I feel dry and I can't say that I'm making space for God to refresh me, adjust your rhythm this week. What does that mean? Maybe it means you need to change your morning rhythm a little bit. You need to adjust some things. Get yourself to a posture of being refreshed, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer. Maybe it means you need to adjust your rhythms during the day. Maybe it means you need to turn some things off that are are monopolizing your time in some way and say, God, I want to be refreshed by you. What does that mean? But I pray every single one of us today, we would make a decision, conscious decision, to change some rhythm this week, to say, God, we want you more than anything else. All right, I'm going to invite our prayer teams forward. If you're here today, as someone came after service, just just needing somebody to minister to them, would you come forward, allow our team to pray with you. We want to encourage you.